And since we're going to be celebrating the kids, we're going to be praying for our kids today as well. So it's a really special day. Um, but there's also one cool thing happening as well. This is the last sermon of this series. And you're like, wow, how long have we been doing this? 13 weeks. Uh, we went through uh, a ton of different spiritual gifts. Um, sorry, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual gifts is another one. We'll get to that one eventually. But we went through a lot of spiritual disciplines, and we're wrapping up our series today on, on probably uh, one of the least controversial spiritual disciplines, prayer. Because I'm pretty sure everyone's going, yeah, we're believers. We should probably be praying, right? Uh, so uh, I, hope, I hope that you've been able to take what we've been talking about this summer, and it has been all over the whole summer, basically. Um, I, ho- I hope you've been able to take some of these disciplines and really focus on them, concentrate on them, um, spend some time with them. Um, the messages that, that have been going out over this past summer have, they have no legs without your work. Um, more or less, it's been a lot of me giving you a lot of information, a lot of good information, a lot of good, you know, things to help help you guys practice in certain areas and things like that. But the, the legs of the disciplines don't, walk without the work that you guys put into them. And so I hope that you've gotten as much out of it that I have. Um, but again, you don't, you, you only get out of it what you put into it, right? That's how we, that's how everything is. And, and disciplines are, uh, are hard work. You know, life is hard work sometimes, but those, but the results that come out of those are just amazing. Um, see, the thing is though, oftentimes we, we don't see the, uh, we don't, sometimes see, physically see the outcomes of, of the disciplines. We really don't. Have you ever done some of those spiritual things before where you're kind of like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to go do it. It's true. Have you ever gone, you, we, we used to do this thing, and I don't, and let me know if this is a cultural thing, because I'm still learning culture around here, right? Do you guys ever walk around your house and anoint your house? Have you ever heard of that before? Well, I wouldn't say burning sage. I would say you take you take uh, anointing oil and you go around. And the the concept in, in back in the day was that you would anoint the doorposts. And really, what it was is it, it you know how you know how in communion we're like this. It, the Catholics are like this is the real body. This is the real blood of Christ. And 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 the assemblies of God were kind of like yeah, that's that's juice and juice and a wafer, but we symbolize it as that. So this is an opportunity for us to symbolize anointing our house, right? So we would walk around. This is what my mom would do. Every time we moved into a brand new house, which when I was in the Air, an Air Force brat was too often, um, we would go around to every doorpost in our house. And, of course, this is back in the 90s, too, because, you know, we were all fun in the 90s, weren't we? Um, we would all walk around in the house, and we would, we would anoint the doorpost, you know, make the cross, just like they did in the Old Testament. They put a on the on the on the top and then the side. And I went, no, oh, it's kind of almost a cross. It's more of a anyway. So you make the cross and then you pray over that room and you pray all over all the things that are going to happen in that room. Or you know, what, what was it? One year, my one year we we moved into a new house and we had this like doorway that walked into the hallway and we actually asked the question, are we supposed to pray for this doorway walkway area because it's still kind of like a doorway? You ever? have those moments when you're like, I'm not sure if I should be praying for this or not. And then you do it anyway, because you just want to be careful to make sure that you've prayed over that as well. (laughs) 
let's just say if you if you're gonna pray, just just pray because there's never anything wrong with praying a little extra. It's all, it's okay. All right. So, but you can, but that's what we would do. And as I grew up, I went, that's really weird. And I realized something else about is because back in back in the day, you used to use a lot more oil than we do now. So we just put a little on there and we go with it because you know who wants to have this stuff dripping down your face? But in the nineties, you like covered your stuff in it. Is this like a southern thing where they would like douse their hands and then put their hands on you, or is that up here too? Okay, that's a southern thing. Man, I'm telling you, Mexico was interesting. You ever been? If you ever get a chance to go to Baja, Mexico, to some of the churches down there, it's like they have glistening hands, and they'll just come up to you and like give you a full faceful. Okay, <laughs> some of you guys, I'll take you on a mission trip. You have to experience this at least once, so you know what I'm talking about. But here's the deal. You would go around and you'd pray over these doors. Did it matter that it was covered in oil? I mean, a couple years, it got disgusting anyway. You had to clean it off. What mattered was the prayer. Did it make a whole lot of sense? Not really. Kind of like meditation. See, meditation, which is something we talked about all the way at the very beginning. Remember when we talked about meditation and I had to just, us just sit there and listen to God? Remember that? That was all the way right after school let out. That's a long time ago. But here's the deal. Meditation is about the inner life, about changing your inner life. Fasting is an accompanying means, and we talked about fasting last week. Study transforms our minds. But the discipline of prayer, that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. And prayer is a huge topic. So we just talked about like doorposts and things like that. Did you know that prayer is multifaceted? There's a lot of different facets to prayer. And we can instantly recognize the impossibility of even lightly touching on all of the aspects of prayer. So I'm not going to do that. I understand everyone wants to go home at some point in time. So we're not going to talk about every aspect of prayer, I promise. Not today. <laughs> uh, there's also a whole lot of philosophical questions around prayer as well. Okay, let's, let's look at the philosophy of this real quick. Why is prayer necessary? Again, I was talking about makes absolutely no sense. How in the world does prayer work? That's a good one. How can a finite human being enter in a dialogue with an infinite God and creator of the universe? Or here, how about this one? How can an infinite thing like prayer affect the finite world? Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. It has the same amount of sense to it as me having a Jedi mind trick on you. Except Jedi mind tricks aren't real. Prayer is. You have to prove both the same way. How are they proved? By their outcomes. Now the Jedi make the Jedi make a good movie, I'll tell you that. I like I like watching Star Wars. But I have yet to see anyone. Passion of the Christ is good too. <laughs> but tell you what, I have never seen anyone claim that they have the power of the force and be able to move something with their mind. But I have seen people grow limbs because of prayer. 
I have seen people who are blind gain their sight because of prayer. I have seen people with infections. I've heard of people with infections in their knees get healed because of prayer. This is no Jedi mind trick. I'm not fooling you. There's so many different types of prayer as well. All right, so there's like the discussive prayer where we're discussing things with God. You ever just sit down and have a discussion with God? It's a good way to build relationship with him. There's mental prayer where you don't actually say anything. You just start thinking. Uh, There's the prayer of the quiet when you just talk really quiet with God. There's the prayer of relinquishment when you have to give something up to him. Some of us have had to really give some stuff up to God. I remember my mom describing it this way. She said, "I, I used to pray and I used to go like this. And he'd say, Karen, you have to let go of the last two fingers. I can't take it until you let go. And then she went, do you, know, do you know what that prayer was for? The relinquishing? It was me. She had to let me go. I'm her only, I'm her only son. And here I was getting married to some girl. Yeah, every, every time your daughter gets married to someone else, it's some guy. And every time your son gets married to some, some lady, it's some girl. There's never a name associated with it. It's some girl, some guy. Some girl is trying to take my son away. Right? That's what we think. <laughs> Come on, parents. <laughs> you, you know that has, that's how it is. <laughs> but she had to let me go. And that's how relationship is built sometimes. You have to relinquish those things. So there's prayers of relinquishment where you have to let things go. Then there's the prayer of guidance. How many of us need guidance from the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of different books on this stuff. So if you don't quite know how to pray very well, maybe you're not very experienced in it, I have this wonderful book here called uh, With Christ in the School of Prayers from Andrew Murray. It looks like I haven't broken the cover on it, and that's because I have it in, on Kindle. Uh, and, I, and I read a lot more electronic books now than I do regular ones. Um, I want to give this to someone to, to use. You can give it back to me when you're done. Who wants, to, who wants to take it? Yes. There we go. Here you go, Ms. Lois. You just won a book today. See, the thing is, is that these, we, can, we can look into books. We can, we can talk to people who are strong, have strong prayer lives. Like, how do you do that? This is part of that learning process, that part of study that we were talking about, because we want to get really good at prayer, don't we? Because those people that are really good at prayer, what happens when they pray for you? Stuff happens. Who wants to get prayed for someone where their, where their prayers are never heard? Nobody. Who wants to get prayed over by, I don't know. Who wants to get prayed over Let's go for it. Benny Hinn. I I was really thinking about not saying that name. But I'll tell you what. There's a lot of healing that comes out of his ministry. I'll give him that. There's a lot of sensationalism, but we can talk about that offline. But here's the thing. Since we have limited time, I'm not going to go into all the aspects of prayer. Um, I encourage you to pick some stuff up and learn about different kinds of prayer and things like that. Maybe there's kinds of prayer you haven't prayed before. Maybe that's exactly what you need to know that frees up that piece of your life that you weren't aware of. So I want to talk today specifically about intercession.
Okay? Sometimes intercession is called about it's called the prayer of faith. And it presupposes that we have already done something called a prayer of guidance. Um, have you ever gone into intercession and prayed for something to happen, but you never actually got the word of God that that's what you needed to be doing in the first place? Is that, it, 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 let, me, let, me, let, me, let me track with you. God owns the forest. Okay? And he puts people in authority over you who are kind of like your managers. And they're the ones that are going to tell you which trees to go cut down. Okay? So you hope and you pray that those that are in authority know what the guy in charge is telling them to do. Why? Because you're going to go out and you're going to pray or you're going to go cut down that tree in that forest, right? Here's the thing. God's in charge of the, God's in charge of the company, and so many people are lost. Maybe because they get bad leadership. Maybe they're the ones in leadership. Maybe they're the ones directing others. But sometimes, believers, we're in the wrong forest. Forget the fact that we do great work, and we're working really hard, and we're sweating, and we're cutting down some trees. Think of it. If you're in the wrong forest, that turns out bad. How would you feel if a logging company showed up on your land? Well, there's not a lot of trees here. How about this? What if one of the big conglomerate farming companies showed up and dropped their cows on your land? How would you feel about that? Would they have your blessing? No. They wouldn't have your blessing. And it wouldn't make for a good relationship, would it? But do you get mad at the, at the subcontracted rancher who's working that land because he was told to put his cows there by his boss? You can. You probably will. You probably go and yell at him. But in reality, who do you need to get mad at? The boss who's putting them in the wrong place. And you're like, what in the world does this have to do with prayer? Simply this. If we don't have the guidance, if we don't know the ways in which we should be praying, we have no purpose in going into intercession. Because it's fruitless. It's not going to do anything. It's the same thing whether we're praying for a, a thing to happen or if we're praying for a person if we're praying in the wrong direction, God's not going to be with that. And your prayers will be fruitless. You know what fruitless means? No results. No results. Guidance is not from our spirit or our ideas, our thoughts, or even our experiences. It doesn't come from our wisdom. And those things are not necessarily bad But if used improperly, they can point us in a really bad direction. Have you ever had a really wise person come up to you and tell you something really stupid? It's happened. I guarantee it's happened sometime in your life. What does the Bible say? Anything can can seem good, but not everything's God. Not everything's blessed. Praying for guidance means setting all of that aside. And listening to God and allowing Him to stir up in us what He wants. Now, can people prophesy into your life? Yes. Not saying that's not the case. 
But, you know, ask people, where'd that message come from? Did that come from God? Did that come from you? Maybe they don't know. Maybe he will pull from our knowledge and experience. But what I have found is that's not always the case. Sometimes he asks you to do something pretty crazy, like walk around and put oil on your doorposts. Too often our own desires get in the way of what God really wants us to communicate. James 4, 1-3 says this, What's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. Instead, of, instead, what we need to focus on is, what we, is not on what we know and believe or experience, but rather what, on God, want, what God wants. Um, Psalm 63.1 puts it this way. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. The guiding spirit, the Holy Spirit, puts our prayers into action. Let's read over that real quick. I earnestly search for you. It means I'm going out and looking for him. Are you looking for him? My soul thirsts for you. you. How long can you live without water? About three days? You need that. I'm looking for you. I need you. My whole body longs for you. That's pers- that, that, is, that is motivation. That is, in, that is pushing you towards every. I mean, it's your whole being. And we all live in a parched and, dreary, and, and, and weary land, don't we? See, the thing is, is that this call to action comes as a result of prayer. This is a prayer. It's something we need to be confident in. Whenever God gives us a call to action, we need to be confident in it. Jesus' prayers never ended in the words, if thy will be, if it will be your will, please let this happen. Nor did the apostles and prophets pray that way. Think of it this way. They believed that they knew the will of God before they even prayed their prayers of faith. In fact, they were so confident in their prayers of, in their prayers that sometimes their prayers, instead of coming out as, Lord, please do this, it was Literally, them walking up to people and giving commands. Walk. Stand. Be healed. Those are his prayers of command. That's what Jesus did. That was the example he set. Now, let me be clear. There are some times when you do need to pray the prayer and say, Whatever is your will. Not if it's your will, please do. Whatever is your will. Think of this. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, Jesus himself says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. I don't think anyone wants to go through that. You were talking about the passion of the Christ. Nobody wants to go through that. Jesus was still human. He knew it was going to hurt. But what did he say? Not your will. I want your will to be done. That's humility. We have to be effective as Christians. 
But if we're not constantly approaching God for guidance, I don't see how that's even possible. Jesus regularly prayed for guidance as well. Let me, clear, let me be clear about that. Okay? Jesus prayed for guidance. Jesus, God incarnate, prayed for guidance. Okay? In fact, the Bible says, in Mark 135, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out into the isolated place to pray. He went out and prayed for guidance. God, what am I supposed to do now? God, what am I supposed to do now? God, what am I supposed to do now? This isn't just Joe, Joe Schmuck doing this. This is Jesus. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's probably good enough for us. Martin Luther put it this way. I have, I have so much business I can't get on without spending three hours a day in prayer. You're, anyone else here busy? Try, try re- leading a reformation. <laughs> he couldn't get away with his life without three hours of prayer a day. He that has prayed well has studied well. That's also Martin Luther. John Wesley put it this way. God does nothing but in an answer to prayer. Ooh. Many of us are discouraged by these words, though, because we're like, well, we're just not, we're not that big on prayer. But this isn't to be discouraging. These are supposed to, these are here to encourage you. I want to tell you that, uh, Rather than harming ourselves because of our lack of prayer, we need to remember that God always meets us where we are. And slowly, as long as we work at it, he'll move us in that direction. Think about it this way. Occasional joggers. Every once in a while, I'll see like, people running out here. And I was thinking of my father-in-law when I wrote, the, when I wrote this down. Occasional joggers, joggers don't enter the Olympic marathon. My father-in-law has been to Ironman three times. Bless his soul. But see, the thing is, is you have to prepare for that over time. You don't get known as a person of prayer overnight. We know them now. You, you probably think of someone right now. This is like the person I go to for prayer. This is the person I go to for prayer. They didn't get that way overnight. Neither will you. You got to work at it. But if we, follow the progress, if we follow a progression in getting to know God more and learning to pray, learning to listen to his spirit, I guarantee next year you'll be a, in a better place than you are this year. See, the thing is, is a lot of people emphasize acquiescence and resignation to the way that things are. Oh, just the will of God, whatever the will of God is. I want to tell you right now, that mindset is closer to a secular mindset than it is a Christian mindset. Oh, God's just going to do whatever God wants to do. Reality is, is we have to learn to pray. What is it? Luke 11, 1 says this. Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples are with Jesus. They could ask, you know, like, Genie Jesus and been like, Genie Jesus, I want a million dollars. Remember Solomon? And God's like, I'll give you anything you want. I want wisdom. That was smart. Good job. They're like, Lord, teach us to pray. Nothing more valuable than that. Since prayer is a learned process, I want to tell you something important. You can screw it up, and it's okay. You can question it, and it's okay. You can fail, and it's okay. And you can experiment, and it's okay. Just as long as you don't do the same thing over and over and over expecting a different result. We, that's the definition for, a, for insanity. Do you pray the same way over and over and over and over again and hope for a different result? 
It's crazy. Don't do that anymore. Learn a different way. Understanding prayer involves a learning process, and it saves us from being arrogant and dismissing false and unreal theology about prayer. Some people think that prayer is just not real. Let me put it this way. Everyone, do you, does everyone have a television? I hope everyone has a television. Otherwise, it's going to miss, miss everyone. Um, I mean, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but I have one. Let's put it this way. If you turn on the TV and the TV comes on, but there's no program there, do you think the TV's broken? No. It's out of tune. The TV's not broken. So what do you have to do? This is more this is more relevant for those with those with rabbit ears or antenna. You have to adjust the antenna to get it to tune into where it's supposed to be. Otherwise you don't get the message. None of us here is going to say the TV's broken. Well, no, the light came on. It's kind of got that staticky snow stuff going on. Something's, I mean, it's working, but it's not getting a signal. If we pray and what we're looking for is blocked, we're praying wrong. Perhaps something within us needs to change. Perhaps there's new principles of prayer that need to be learned. Or perhaps there's patience and persistence that we need. Sometimes, as long as God is guiding you and saying you're doing the right thing, sometimes it's just a matter of patience. Sometimes your life is on a commercial break. See, we have to listen. We have to make a necessary adjustment. Listening is the most critical part of prayer. The more you pray, the more you understand that prayer has more to do with listening than it does to speaking. God created you very, very special. How many mouths do you have? One. How many ears do you have? Use them in proportion. God did that on purpose. Otherwise, he'd put an ear right here and put a mouth over here and a mouth over here. I think that's pretty smart in how he did that. You ever thought about that? Like how your face is made? He gave you two of everything but your mouth. (laughs) It's so true. He gave you one mouth, two nostrils, two eyes, two ears. Use them in proportion. I love how God did that. (laughs) See, the reality is, is that all too often we're just not tuned in to God. We pray for others, but first, before we do that, we have to listen for the Lord of hosts. We have to listen for his guidance. Matthew 6, 7 says, When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again and again. Again, it goes back. Doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result. It's called insanity. Don't do it. John fifteen seven puts it this way. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. See, some people get confused about that. That means I can get whatever I want. No. Read the whole thing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything. Whose words are in you? His words. And his words are what's going to come out of your mouth when you pray. So whatever you pray for, 
that's what's going to happen. You got to know where your authority sits. Your authority sits on the words of God. I could go downstairs right now. I could look my daughter in the eye and I could say, get up, go home, take out the trash. In those words, and guess what she's going to do? She's probably going to, and then she's going to go home and take out the trash. Now, I'm just being honest there. If, we're, if she's being a perfectly obedient little girl like she should be, she's going to pop right up. She's going to be very happy about it, and she's going to go take out that trash. Why? Because I have authority in her life. Does God have authority in your life? He should. He'd better. If we don't know what God wants us to do, maybe it's just best that you sit down and be quiet and listen. Don't do anything under your own strength. That's how people get hurt. Ooh. I want to tell you something. Can you pray for things to happen? Yes. You can absolutely pray for what you want. God wants to hear about, about your needs and desires, just like, I, just like you want to hear about your kids' needs and desires. You want to hear about the needs and desires about people around you? Why? Because you want, you want to help people. You want to help bring them up. You want to know what's going on in, in, in their life. God knows what's going on in your life. But there's a big difference when you're admitting it to him. God, this is what's going on in my life. He knows that. But to humble yourself, to bring yourself to his feet, that's important. Sometimes God will say something like, I need you to go do that. God, do it. Are you sure you want me to do that? You can do that. What? Here's some examples. Think about Moses. So the Israelites were being jerks again. And um, God told Moses, now this, you can find this. Let me make sure I get my reference right. It's in Exodus. It's in Exodus 32. And the other one I'm going to talk about is Jonah 3 in a second. But in Exodus 32, you look it up. God says, I am done with these people. Done with them. I'm just going to wipe them all out, Moses, and I'm going to start again, and it's going to be with you. And what does Moses say? Uh, God, you might not want to do that. Because you took these people out of Egypt. Um, your, your name is on the line here. If you destroy all of these people, all that work that you just did is going to be for nothing. Now, Moses is still being humble because he's going, God, if that's what you want to do, you can. Just not sure that's the best idea. So what happens? God changed his mind. We can get into all theology about that stuff where God knew that Moses was going to do that and all that. We can do that if we want to, but we'll do that offline. But here's the point. God changed his mind in that moment. He said he was going to do one thing, and if God is an honest God, he's going to be honest about these things, right? God's not a liar, (laughs) 
I have no, I have no illusions that God at that moment was going, yeah, I'm going to destroy them. What if Moses hadn't said anything? What if Moses had just been quiet about it and go, whatever you want, God. Whatever you want, God. And kept all that inside of him. Millions of people would have been killed. That's a big deal. God can do it if he wants. He's God. He created it. He can break it. It's like, it's, like a Lego, it's like a Lego set. You build it up, and then you smash it down when you're done, and you make something else, and you can smash it down. God can do that if he wants. That was an Aiden reference, by the way. <laughs> but here's the thing. Moses changed God's mind. I'm pretty sure God wanted Moses to change his mind. But still, he had to make that choice. He had to step out in faith and say those words to the creator of the universe. What about Jonah? Jonah is the shining example, isn't he? Jonah, go to Nineveh. No. Nineveh's over there, Jonah. Let me help you. Gulp. (laughs) That's the short version. He just just spit him up on the... Here, let me help you. You went that way, but I know Nineveh's this way, so let me help you. (laughs) So he spits him up on the land. He goes to Nineveh. And what does Jonah do? Jonah doesn't want to be there. He doesn't like Nineveh. He wants nothing to do with Nineveh. But he's finally being reluctantly, okay, God, I understand. Spit me up on the, on, on the, side, of the side of the sea. I guess I should probably go to Nineveh. He preaches. What does Nineveh do? We talked about this last week. They prayed and they fasted. What else fasted? Their animals fasted. Do animals fast on their own? No, says the veterinarian. <laughs> And what happened? God changed his mind. He didn't destroy Nineveh. God used an unwilling prophet to make that happen. And Nineveh turned back into a bad nation. Don't, don't, don't underestimate that at all. I mean, they went in and destroyed Israel. If you look, at, if you look into... Uh, into the history books, that's what happened. Nineveh went down. Nineveh was the capital of, of Assyria, and Assyria destroyed Israel this, when the kingdom split. Thank you. But yeah, that's what happened. But for that moment, for that moment, God changed his mind. Maybe your life looks like it's heading in a certain direction. Maybe you've gotten it all figured out. Maybe you're on the twilight of life and you think it's all over. Maybe you think you know exactly what's going to happen next. Do you know that because you prayed about it and you have the guidance of the Holy Spirit and then that's the direction you're going to be going? Are you praying all of that into existence? Is things changing in your life because you're making choices to change based upon your own experience? Are you making choices to change because that's the direction God wants you to go? 
the direction that God wants you to go is the blessed way. Any, ro- any other road you take, it only goes one direction. Down. It only goes one direction. See, the thing is, is prayer is useless without change. Change is the central point of why prayer exists. Sometimes we have to pray to change God's mind. Sometimes we're praying because we want God to change us. What's the, what's the first prayer? What's the first thing everyone does who becomes a believer? They pray. Why? Because they need a change of destination. Every aspect of your life has got to have prayer in it. If we're unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a notable characteristic of our lives. Maybe the reason you don't pray as much as you want to because you're afraid of how much change is going to come along with it. Can I tell you that was a big part of my fear? The closer we are to God, the more we're going to pray. I told you guys at the very beginning, if you integrate these disciplines into your life, they are going to change your life. And not in a negative way. They're going to change you in a way that's going to turn you more into who he is. That's not a bad thing. That's not something to be afraid about. I was talking to someone about end times. They're like, yeah, I want Jesus to come back, but not this year. I want to go visit the kids. Really? Really? I used to feel the same way when I was a teenager. I'm like, I don't want Jesus to come back yet. I want to grow up. I want to experience life. Really? (laughs) Really? Did you lose that, that Sunday school lesson about what heaven's like? I mean, if heaven's the water park, we're upset because we didn't go to the meat processing plant. We used to have this, we used to have a paper mill down where I lived and it, man, it stank bad. And they had, they had a, uh, they had a a group of kids that went on a field trip to this thing and they were like, it's gross. I don't want to go there. I want to tell you right now, your best day, nothing compared to heaven. It is the paper processing plant compared to heaven. God, I want to go to heaven, but first, can I please go through these these comparatively stinky things? We could talk about salvation that way. God, I know I should be saved. I know I should give my life to you. I know I should become more like you, but I really want to go out and have fun and drink and party for a while. Those of us who have gone out and partied, we understand that that is nothing compared to what God can do in our lives. And we try to tell people that constantly, don't we? Anyway, guys, pray. Be willing to allow God to change you. 
submit yourself to him. And you can question in prayer. You experiment in prayer. You try things. If it works, great. If it stops working at some point in time, stop it. Go do something else. Not to say that the same thing over and over and over again is going to produce the same result either. Eventually it might change. Our culture changes. You know, God's got me walking around the community and praying. Maybe someday he'll have me driving around the region and praying. That'd be a long walk. <laughs> Allow God to change your vision. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling now. So let's, let's pray, because we're here to pray. Um, Sid, could you do me a favor? I'm going to close this in prayer for this part of the service, but could you go get Leah and tell her to have the kids come up so we can pray for them? Thank you, Sid. Lord God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for the opportunities that we have to get to know you. I pray, Lord God, that the disciplines that we've been talking about, Lord God, I pray that you'd put the muscles into our legs to walk in those ways. I pray, Lord God, that we would be willing to allow your Holy Spirit to guide us and to change us. Lord God, I pray that we would have the courage to fail at spiritual things so that we can learn how to become better at them. Failure in trying to do good things is not failure, it's learning. Lord God, I pray that we will learn how to pray. Lord God, I pray that our goal will not be to make noise or to pray for what we want to have happen. But Lord God, I pray that as the Scripture says that your words will be put into our mouth, that we will be transformed and we will be able to pray for the things that you want us to pray for because that's what's got legs under it. That's what gets the world moving. Your words are the ones that make light happen. Your words are the ones that create life in the oceans and in the sky and that walk on land. I pray, Lord God, that the prayers of the people in this church will become so powerful and so connected to what you want that we could be like Peter. That we can walk up to the lame man and say, I don't have this, but stand up. Lord God, that takes courage. Lord God, that takes confidence in knowing. Lord God, we have to understand that if we walked down to Marion Manor right now and stared people in the face and tried to pull them up out of their wheelchairs, they won't get up just because of us. Those diseases... Those infirmities, 
they fall, they fall down on their face to your name. Pain, shame, disease, all of that has to fall down at your name. And I pray, Lord God, that we will seek you in all that we do, in all that we pray. Lord God, I pray for power in our prayer lives. Your power, God. In your name, amen. All right, so we're going to do one more thing. And I need all of our back-to-school folks. There they come. Aiden's involved, too. Anyone else going, going back to school other than the short people? Shorter people? I can only say that for so much longer because you're going to be taller than me. I about guarantee it. Yeah. Anyone? Okay. You're not going to? Where, aren't you going into some training or something, I thought? There you go. Come on. <laughs> Come on up. So, all right, what I want you all to do is, is line up down here in the, in, in the, in, in the hallway here. And, and, and congregation, this is what we need to do. I want us to just crowd around these kids. Make them as uncomfortable as possible. Especially that one. Make your buddy smile is what we used to say in the army. Um, and then we're going to pray for these kids, all right? Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to do this.